0: Good morning everyone, Uh, my name is Stuart Mazell. I'm pastor here, it's great to see all of you here and thanks for all of you who are joining us online And, and happy Mother's Day to all the mothers who are out there. Uh, every, t- every time Mother's Day comes about, I- I- I rem- I'm reminded of uh, the time when I was the assistant pastor here, and Walt Kendall was the senior pastor. And he was going to be away on Mother's Day, and he asked me to preach on that Sunday. And the passage that he gave me to preach was from Hosea 4, which if you know anything about Hosea 4, it has the line in there, and I will kill your mother. And I was like, Walt, you got to be kidding me. Why in the world would you give me that passage? And then I realized, oh, that was intentional. He didn't want to do that on Mother's Day. He wanted to give it to me. I'm just kidding. I don't think it was intentional at all. But I can't, I can't every time Mother's Day comes around, I'm reminded of, of that, that Sunday and how I had to preach about how God was going to kill someone's mother. So, wow. All right, today... Thankfully we don't have a passage like that. Today we have a passage from Romans, chapter 15. So if you're going to um, turn in your own Bible, feel free to do so. If you don't, we're gonna have the passage up on the screen. We are continuing in our series on hospitable, how to be a hospitable person, how to be a hospitable church. And today, again, we're looking at Romans 15:1 through seven, uh, this is Paul, under the inspiration of the, uh, the Holy Spirit, writing to the church in Romans. And he is dealing with certain things which we'll talk about in the sermon itself. And so we're kind of picking up in the middle of an argument. But I think once the sermon gets into it, you'll, you'll be able to pick up on where he's coming from, and you'll see how this relates to hospitality. Again, this is God's Word from Romans 15. For whatever was written in formal days, former days, was written for our instruction that through the endurance, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore... Welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Let me pray for us. Um, Father, again, we're thankful for your word. Every good and perfect gift comes from your hand, and your word is part of that good and perfect gift that you've given to us. Uh, Will you show us what it means to be hospitable? Will you show us what it means to be welcoming? And most of all, will you show us Jesus? And would we embrace everything about him so that we too would not only know forgiveness of sins, but know transformation into his image, that we would be like him, And Jesus, we pray that you would preach to us, Holy Spirit, open our ears, open our eyes, open our hearts, open our souls, that we would receive your word, apply it well, and leave here differently than when we came in. We ask this, Jesus, in your name and for your glory, along with the Father and the Holy Spirit, our one true God. Amen. I'm sure that all of you have heard the phrase, roll out the welcome mat. If not, that's a, a phrase that basically what we're trying to say is, we know someone is coming, and we want to treat them well, we want to show them care, we want to be friendly, we want to welcome them and receive them in. What you may not know is that there, are, while there are plenty of us who want to roll out the welcome mat, there are some who want to roll out the unwelcome mat. And if you think that's not really a thing, it is. That you can actually go and buy unwelcome mats, like this one. (laughs) Go away. Very straightforward. Now, because we live in the South, we probably wouldn't want to use that one. We want to be more polite, and so we would do this one. Please leave. <laughs> for some of us, that's not good enough. We would want to make sure that we gave a reason why, and so we would say, there, yeah, I don't know if you can see that, but it says, there is no reason for you to be here. My favorite of all the ones that I saw online, Now I'm, I'm serious, you can go and buy and purchase these for yourself if you really want. My favorite one though was this, you should not be here unless you call first, and I never answer my phone, but if I did, I would have said no. I'm <laughs> gonna be honest, I mean, we can laugh at these, they're a little funny, And and honestly, if I came to your house and you had one of these mats, I would not be offended. I would just think so-and-so has a great sense of humor. But I do wonder, they say that most jokes have a little bit of truth in them. And I do wonder if the reason why those things are now available for purchase, unwelcome mats, is because there is a part of us that we don't want to roll out the welcome mat for people. We don't want to be welcoming. We want to be to ourselves. We want to be in our own private space, in our own uh, bubble. And we don't want anyone to invade our space. Like me when I'm at Walmart and I'm standing in line, I hate it when someone invades my space. You know, like when they stand a little bit too close to you in the back and I feel their breath on my neck, it's like, can you please respect my space? We don't like it when people invade our space, but there is a difference between invading someone's space and not being welcoming into your space, right? And what we're talking about, what we've been talking about in this series is being hospitable person, being a hospitable church. And as we've heard already, one of the major parts of showing hospitality is welcoming others. One major part of showing hospitality is welcoming others. If God is calling us to be hospitable, and he is, we saw that last week. If you missed that sermon, you can go online or you can find the podcast. God does call us to hospitality. And as we've heard, at the heart of hospitality is love. We love our neighbors as we love ourselves. We care for them. We're compassionate. We show friendliness and goodness to them. And then hospitality is not just about being Uh, having a meal, which is what we tend to think, but hospitality really is about welcoming, it's about sharing, and about connecting. And and today we're going to focus on the welcoming part. To be a welcoming church, to be a welcoming follower of Christ. So what does this passage have to do with hospitality? How does this show us how to welcome? Well, I'm glad you asked, because here's the main point of the sermon today. God calls us to welcome one another the way Christ has welcomed us. That's the the main point. God calls us to welcome one another the way Christ has welcomed us. We see that very clearly in Romans 15, 7. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Now, in context, let's talk about the context of this passage. In context, I've already said, Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and he's dealing with an issue in this particular passage between weak and strong believers. Those who are weak in their faith believe that there are certain things that are okay to do, but they don't think they are. They think that they have to abstain from those things, and then they want other people to do the same, like eating food that's been sacrificed to idols. Paul says, hey, look, there's no problem eating food that's been sacrificed to idols because those idols are nothing. But at the same time, for someone who has a weak faith and says, well, I shouldn't do that, Paul says, well, if you do that, even though you think, even though it is not wrong to do, if you do it without faith, it is sin for you, right? So there's the, the, the weak in faith, but then there's also those who are strong who know what is right and good and everything, and, but sometimes they lord it over other people and they abuse their freedom in Christ. And so in Romans 14, the passage right before this one, Romans 14, verses 1 through 3, we read this. As for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over opinions. Oh, how we love (laughs) to quarrel over opinions, right? But Paul says don't do that. Welcome the person who is weak in faith. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. Let not the one who eats despise the one who abstains. And let not the one who abstains pass judgment on the one who eats, for God has welcomed him. You hear that? God has welcomed this person, so don't be the person who rolls out the unwelcome mat for someone who's different than you. And then in Romans 15.1, which we read earlier, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Oh, how we love to please ourselves, right? But Paul is saying, look, if you think you're strong in the faith, here's your obligation in Christ. Bear with people who aren't as strong in their faith as you. (laughs) Care for them, love them where they are. Romans 15.2, He goes goes even further, and he gives it a, a broader application. He says, let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. Not just the Christian, but if there's anybody, love your neighbor as yourself. Not just those who are Christians, but even the unbeliever. There is a sense in which you can please your neighbor and try to build him up, too. That's what love your neighbor as yourself means. It's not just love your Christian neighbor. It's love your neighbor. And then in Romans 15, 7, he says those words again. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. You want to give glory to God? Welcome. Welcome. Welcome other people. Welcome them even if they view things differently than you do. Because Christ has welcomed you. See, that's the gospel foundation. That's the good news foundation of what we're talking about here. Every command in Scripture always points us back in some way, fashion, or form to Jesus and what Jesus has done for us. And so Jesus has welcomed us, so we are to welcome others. The question is, what does that look like? What does it look like to welcome others the way that Jesus has welcomed us? Well, there are at least three things. We're going to talk about this. Welcoming others as Christ welcomes us involves at least three things. Now, there are more, but here are three things from the Scriptures that we can see of what it looks like to welcome others the way Christ has welcomed us. And the first is this, invitation. Invitation. All right, so Romans 15, 7, I'm going to say this so many times you're going to get tired of it, but therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So what does it mean to welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you? There's an invitation that is there. Now, I'm not talking about being a Baptist and having an invitation at the end of the service, although... That would be fun, but that's not what we're doing today, and that's not what we're going to be doing, but what we're talking about is there is an openness to receive people into their space. Jesus was so open to receiving people into his space that he actually left heaven, and he came to earth, he put on flesh, and he lived among sinners. And he didn't just live among sinners. You know what he did? He was accused of partying with sinners. Right? Mark 2, verses 16 and 17. The scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw he was eating, that Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors, he said to, they said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Why is this holy person, this rabbi, this person who says he is from God, why is he spending time with sinful people? And Jesus heard it. And he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call Not to invite the righteous, but sinners. See, that's what Jesus, Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. This is a trustworthy saying, and and it bears the full weight of what we can believe, that Christ came to save sinners, not good people, not righteous people. There are none who are righteous. Christ came to save sinners, and so there is a call to invade his space, come into my space. And you see that all over the place in scriptures. For example, in Matthew 11, verses 28 through 29, which, by the way, one of the hymns we wrote referenced this, and I, I think Taylor also referenced it in his prayer, at least from talking about the song. Jesus, These are Jesus' words, and he says, come to me. You hear the invitation? Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Basically, Jesus is saying, look, if you are weary, if you're heavy laden, if you have burdens, come to me, and I will show you what rest is like. That's the invitation, right? That's what it means to be welcoming. There's an invitation to come and be a part of what he has. And I know that this doesn't necessarily line up with hospitality, but I do love it. And I'm just going to bring it up because I think it's important for us to remember Jesus doesn't just invite adults to be in his presence. You know, when we invite people over, sometimes, you know, we have a kids' table and we have the adult table. So the adults can spend some time, you know, actually talking and the children, they can do whatever they want to do. I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. Shouldn't ever do it, at least. But think about what Jesus says in Luke 18, verses 15 through 16 and relate it to that practice. Now they were bringing even infants to him, to Jesus, that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Jesus was even invitational to little children. And so when we think about being welcoming as, other, as Jesus has been welcoming to us, there's an invitation part. There's a welcome to my space. We don't unroll that unwelcome mat and say, here, I don't want anything to do with you. No, there's a welcoming nature, just like Jesus has a welcoming nature to us. A book I mentioned last week, Rosaria Butterfield, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Great book on hospitality. I got three quotes today from that book. One is about invitation, and here's what she says. The hospitable meet people as strangers and invite them to become neighbors. And by God's grace, many will go on to become part of the family of God. This transition from stranger to neighbor to family does not happen naturally, but only with intent and grit and sacrifice and God's blessing. We do our part, God does his part, and God's part is the one that ultimately brings them into the family of God. But we do want to be open. We do want to be welcoming. You know, one of the reasons I became a Presbyterian was a, an invitational church. Christ Presbyterian, when I was in college, they, they were probably the most welcoming church I'd ever been a part of. I came as a college student, I didn't, I didn't know what a Presbyterian was. I'd never seen a Presbyterian. I thought maybe they were all weird. I still kind of think that. (laughs) But because I had no idea what to expect, I just walked in and I was like, okay, what's gonna happen? And people invited me into their home. There was a group of college students and because there was a group of college students who were coming, they started a college student lunch and they didn't serve us anything fancy. We didn't have caviar or anything. It was pizza and spaghetti, but we loved it because they were showing us care. They were welcoming us in. And really that's the reason I ended up becoming a Presbyterian on the horizontal level at least because I was a part of a welcoming church. They invited me to be a part of their lives. I still, I still remember conversations about Calvinism I know that's a dirty word to some people, but conversations about Calvinism over a lunch at uh, Steve and Cindy Hamilton's house, where they, when I heard those words, I thought, you've got to be kidding me. God's sovereign over everything. And they're like, yeah, let me show you why that's good news. And they loved me through that process. It was beautiful. And God is calling us as a church to be a welcoming church. He's calling us as individuals to be welcoming people, to invite, not to just push off, but to invite people in. All right, second, not only do we show the the welcome that God has shown to us in Christ by welcoming, inviting people, we also show edification. That's their second one. Welcoming others as Christ welcomes others. Us involves at least three things, invitation and edification. Now, if you don't know what the word edification means, it basically means to build another person up, to do something for their benefit, to do something that's good for the other person. So Romans 15, 7, therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. We do that to do good to them to encourage, to build them up. Think about what Paul says in Romans 15, 1 through 3. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. You see that? It's for their good. It's for their edification. It's for their building up. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Everything that Jesus did, he did for the glory of his Father and he did for our good. That we would be part of his kingdom, that we would be part of his family, that we would enjoy all of the blessings that God has to pour out on his people. Everything that Jesus did from leaving heaven to being born as a baby to dying on a cross to rising from the dead, everything is about doing good to us, to build us up, to edify us. And we see the same kind of concept back in Romans fourteen nineteen, when he says, so then let us pursue what makes for peace and for mutual upbuilding, That's what we're supposed to be about as a church. That just as Christ has done everything, not only for His Father's glory, but for our good, we are to do good to each other. That's part of what we are to do. And part of how we do that is by showing hospitality, by building one another up. One great way of doing this, and I know this is a drum that I will beat ...and beat and beat until you actually listen to what I'm saying. Life groups are important... ...because it gives you an opportunity to get together with other people... ...who can edify you... ...who can build you up... ...who can help you to see more of Jesus... ...who can encourage you when you're going through difficulties... ...who can be there when you're sick... Be there when you're in the hospital. Be there, because I'm just one guy. I can't do it all. A, one pastor cannot care for every single one of you. But if we care for one another, then we're doing what the church is meant to be in the first place. And you can't do that for every single person in here either, but you can do it for a small group of people that you meet with on a regular basis. That's a life group. Okay? You hear what I'm saying there? So you want to you be built up in Christ? Join a life group. And if you can't find a life group, we'll make one for you. That's my promise. It might take us a while, but we'll find a way to make it work. Again, Rosaria Butterfield, in her book, The Gospel Comes with a House Key, points out how edifying doing good to our neighbors, doing good to other people. That's part of hospitality. Here's what she says. Radically ordinary hospitality seeks to make strangers neighbors and neighbors family of God. It brings glory to God, serves others, and lives out the gospel in word and deed. The purpose of radically ordinary hospitality is to build, focus, deepen, and strengthen The family of God, pointing others to the Bible believing local church and being earthly and spiritual good to everyone we know. One person who exemplified this in my life is a guy named John Musgrave, who um, he is the pastor of, um, I think it's Christ Church in Clayton now. I think they've changed their name. But up in North Carolina, he—he he was he's my mentor in many, many ways. And he would just sit with me over lunch, and our lunch, I'm not joking about this, sometimes our lunches would last three or four hours. I'm not kidding. There was one day, definitely there was one day, where we joked about, well, maybe we should have dinner now, because we stayed at the restaurant so long. He just poured into me, listening to all my silliness, listening to all my stupid ideas, listening to all the unwise things that I was saying, and he was patient, and he was kind, and he was gentle, and he just kept pouring into me, pointing me back to Jesus every single conversation. It was what I needed. And I'm just saying to all of you, that's what we all need. We need that kind of edifying purpose for when we get together that we're going to encourage one another. We're going to build one another up. We want each other to be more like Jesus. So those are two of the ways that we show hospitality by welcoming. Welcoming as Christ has welcomed us. We invite. We edify. And then the third one, which is probably going to be the one that's going to challenge us the most, Acceptance. Welcoming others as Christ welcomes us involves at least three things, and the third one is acceptance. Let's read this passage one more time from verses 5 through 7. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony Now remember, he's writing to a church that's divided over opinions, to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, therefore welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God welcoming one another in that context definitely means some type of acceptance. That we accept one another. So before we talk about how that applies to us, how has Christ accepted us? Did Christ say, you've got to clean your mess up before I will have anything to do with you? Or did Christ say, I came to seek and save the lost? Did Christ tell us, unless you believe exactly the way I do and think exactly the way I do and act exactly the way I do, I will have nothing to do with you. I dare say that if that was the case, there would not be a person in this room who would be a follower of Jesus. I want to think and act like Jesus, but do I always? (laughs) No, definitely not. No, as the hymn writer says, we come to Jesus, I come to Jesus just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. And that thou biddest me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Just as I am, you will receive, you will welcome, you will pardon, you will cleanse, you will relieve because of your promise, I believe, O Lamb of God, I come. Right? That's part of the the good news of the gospel, is that Jesus doesn't wait for us to get clean before he accepts us. He accepts us where we are as we come to him in faith and repentance. As we sang earlier, the only fitness that Jesus requires of us is to see our need of him. That's it. You see your need for Jesus, you recognize you're a sinner, you see that you do not have it all together, you see that your sin is a problem, and you need someone to take care of that problem, that's Jesus. And Jesus says, come. Jesus invites you, he wants to edify you, and he says, I will accept you based on just that. Wow. Now I recognize when we start talking about how that applies to the way we show hospitality, that's gonna make us a little uncomfortable, right? But what abouts are going through your mind right now? Let's be honest. If I was in your shoes, that would be what was going, would be going through my mind. But what about this? But what about this person? Well, what about that? I mean, it's one thing to invite and try to edify someone. It's another thing to accept them It's one thing to accept people who believe the same way that I do and act the same way that I do, but what about those with whom I disagree? Can I do that with them? Should we really accept people where they are? Does God actually call us to accept people even if they aren't believing and doing what is right? Here's a few things to consider while we're trying to answer that question. First, there is a difference between acceptance and approval. Okay? There is a difference between acceptance and approval. I can accept you where you are, who you are, without, uh, without approving of what you do. We do this every single holiday where we have family members come in, right? We accept them as our family. We do not approve of everything that they do. So that shows that we can do that. We can make that distinction. And second, there are different ways to accept others. Right, I can accept anybody on the face of the earth on the basis of them being a human being created in the image of God. They deserve dignity and respect, respect because of that image. But that's not exactly the same thing as receiving them as a brother in Christ, right? But if you name the name of Jesus, even if your views are a little different than mine, can I at least start off with the I accept you until you prove that you're not a believer? Can I at least start there? (laughs) I think we like to fall into extremes. On the one end of the extreme, there are those of us who think we cannot accept others on any level if they don't have the same morality or the same belief systems as we have. Uh, these folks are the ones who basically say if you don't dot every I and cross every T, if you don't walk smack dab in the middle of the straight and narrow, you know, if you don't say the right theological, political, or cultural shibboleths, then we can't have anything to do with you. That's on one side. On the other side of the extreme are those who think that we need to accept others and that means accepting everything about them including their sin. And these folks basically say, I accept you, let's hold hands and sing Kumbaya. I know that even though you're a murderous Nazi pedophile bent on destroying everything that is good and you like pineapple anchovy pizza, it's all good. The problem with both those extremes is that they equate acceptance with approval. Do you see that? Okay, I'm going to need some feedback. Do you see that? Yeah. I can accept you as a neighbor created in the image of God, worthy of respect, worthy of... Honor just because you're in the image of God without approving of everything that you do. And I can accept you as a neighbor without seeing you as a brother and sister. Rosaria Butterfield, and this is a powerful quote. Powerful quote. It, it might feel like a punch in the gut to some of you but here's what she says about this. The truly hospitable aren't embarrassed to keep friends, friendships with people who are different. They don't buy the world's bunk about this. They know that there is a difference between acceptance and approval, and they courageously accept and respect people who think differently from them. They don't worry that others will misinterpret their friendship, Jesus dined with sinners, but he didn't sin with sinners. Jesus lived in the world, but he didn't live like the world. This is the Jesus paradox, and it defines those who are willing to suffer with others for the sake of, the, of gospel sharing and gospel living, those who care more for integrity than appearances. Only hypocrites and cowards... Let their words be stronger than their relationships, making sneaky raids into culture on social media or behaving like moralizing social prigs in the neighborhood. Radically ordinary hospitality shows the skeptical post-Christian world what authentic Christianity looks like. And she would know If you don't know the story of Rosaria Butterfield, she was a lesbian professor who thought Christianity was stupid until some Christians opened their home to her and invited her in. And they shared meals with her, they laughed together, they shared their stories Those Christians listened to her, and then they talked with her about her beliefs and their beliefs, and eventually, one day, she became a believer, and now she has a great ministry, and she's living with a pastor, Kent Butterfield, up in, um, as his wife, I should say that, Um, (laughs) caught myself, yeah. Let me me, me, me go back and try to do that again. She eventually became a believer and she married Kent Butterfield, the pastor of Reformed Presbyterian Church in Durham, North Carolina. And she has helped many see the importance of loving relationships and hospitality with those who are different. Again, if you haven't read the book, it is a great one to take in. It's challenging, but it's good. All right, so if you need an action point, here it is. Welcome, that means invite, edify, and accept at least one or two people into your space this week. And I said your space because I don't mean that you have to invite someone into your home. You can just invite them into your space. Ask them out to dinner. Ask them out to lunch. Ask them for coffee. Say, hey, do you want to go for a walk with me? Whatever it may be. Whatever your space is, just ask someone to be a part of that. As we close, it's Mother's Day, so the obligatory Mother's Day illustration must be placed right here. But I have no problem doing it, because it's about my mom. Uh, My mom is the kind of person who exemplifies this in many, many ways. She really is. There is no, there is no, I have to call my mom, other than my own conscience, to say I'm coming over. If I showed up at her doorstep tomorrow, without calling or without saying anything, she would not say, oh, I'm not ready for you. She would say, come on in. And not just me, but basically anybody who shows up on her doorstep. She's that kind of woman. To edify, well, she likes to build me up, She likes to work on my, not my six-pack, but my two-liter. I mean, she really, she really likes to give me some food. But she she wants to see what's good for me and good for other people. And acceptance, you know what? My mom and I do not agree on everything. But she doesn't beat me over the head with it. She accepts me as her child. And she loves me. And if that's what my mom is like, how much more is Jesus like that with us? And if that's what Jesus is like, and we say we follow him, how much more should we seek to live that way? So, by the power of the Spirit and in the name of Jesus, let's welcome others the way Christ has welcomed us. And let me pray for us that we'll be able to do that. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you have welcomed us into your kingdom, into your family. You have given us so much. You have invited us into your space. You have given us everything we need to be built up in you. And you have accepted us as we are. We're thankful that even though you accept us as we are, you don't leave us there. But you started off with accepting us in our sin, in our misery, in our difficulty. You came to us. Thank you for showing that to us. Cause us by your Holy Spirit to show that to others. We pray in your name, Jesus, and for your glory. Amen.